You're listening to a message from Mercy Culture Church, home of Pastor Landon and Heather Schott in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information about Mercy Culture and ways that you can be a part of it, visit mercyculture.com. Good morning, Mercy Culture. My name is Landon. I'm the senior lead pastor of Mercy Culture Church. The vision of our church is to take people from corporate encounters with God to daily personal encounters with God. And what that means is this, is that our goal is not just a great church service, but we want you to encounter the presence of God like we did corporately today every single day. Because when you're in the presence of God, it is so easy to hear Him. When you begin to hear God and obey God, everything in your life begins to change. So at Mercy Culture, we are passionate about God encounters, and we want to help you connect with God on a daily basis. And so we do this through our membership. So our membership is much more than membership. It's really discipleship. If you text the word connect uh, to the number that comes up on the screen or you go to mercyculture.com, you can begin the membership. You watch a few short videos and then you take this amazing connect with God assessment. And here's what it does. It will help you determine how you best connect with God. And here's the thing is we've done people a disservice in the body of Christ. We've tried to make everyone connect with God the way the senior pastor connects with God. But here's the thing is we all connect with God differently. And when you learn how you best connect with God, it is an absolute game changer for your faith, for your personal relationship with God. And so we want to help you do this and we do it through our membership. So if you've been coming to Mercy Culture for a few weeks or months, you consider this your home church. The next step for you is to go through MC Connect. Amen. We have an exciting announcement this morning. We are the new stewards of a brand new building in Waco, Texas. Over 20,000 square feet, one mile from downtown, 1.5 miles from Baylor University. Tonight is a a Waco, Pastor Les is down there right now, is, is a Waco interest meeting. It's our last one before we launch on Easter Sunday in Waco, Texas. We're gonna begin uh, uh, construction immediately and hopefully this will be up around Christmas time and we'll have our brand new sanctuary full of the presence of God in Waco, Texas. Isn't that exciting? Did anyone notice we didn't take an offering to buy this building? Come on, someone say stewardship. Speaking of stewardship, who's excited for Heart for Mercy? The 8.30 smoked you. I said, who's excited for Heart for Mercy? Come on, church. Can I get a hoot hoot? If you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, a wild media outlet said that I berate people that don't clap loud enough or hoot when I'm preaching. Show. All right. <laughs> Heart for Mercy. If you, are, if you are a visitor, if you read an article and came to church today, uh, heart, we, we, we do this one time a year. And so if, if you are a member of Mercy Culture, if you're a part of our community, you know this to be true. We don't take time in services to pass tithes and offering buckets. Our, our members, the community, they give God their first and their best. We generously give on a regular basis all throughout the week, all throughout the year. But one time a year, we take a special offering and we bring it to the Lord. And that's today. We call it Heart for Mercy. And the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians to not be compulsive givers. 
to, to, to not let giving be emotional, but to be cheerful givers. And so here's what we've done is we tell people at the beginning of the month to begin to pray and ask God what you're supposed to give. We pray all month long and then here's our job. Our job is to hear God and obey. This is very important that you hear me today. This is not your tithe, okay? This is not, oh, this is what I'll tip the church. This is not a tip for how well I preach. This, 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 is, this is not a flippant or this is not an easy, this is not a casual moment. This is a holy moment. This is about one thing, hearing God, obeying. This is about bringing our first and our best because we love God and because we're after his heart. And so if you have not already done this, I want to encourage you uh, to make sure that you have asked the Lord, what am I supposed to give? Your job is to hear God and obey. If you've noticed, never one time through the entire month have we suggested dollar amounts. Heather mentioned it in, in her introduction, is we, we want to break through the manipulation and the perversion of finances in the church or in church history. So there is no manipulation. This is simply you hearing God, you obeying and doing exactly what the Lord tells you to do. It's your job to do what the Lord tells you to do, and it's our job to do what God tells us to do. And so here's what God has told us to do. God has told us to sow this entire offering into our house visions. The house visions are ministries of mercy culture that have one foot in the church and one foot out of the church. When we planted the church, the Lord spoke to me audibly and said, I'm not giving you all the vision. And when he said it, it surprised me because I thought he was gonna give me the vision. So I said, well, who are you giving the vision to? And he said, I'm giving it to my people. And so God has placed things on people's heart and God has united the leaders' hearts, members' hearts in our hearts and they've come together and then we've birthed these ministries that have one foot in the church so the church supports them but then they have one foot out of the church where they are expanding territory. So these ministries are going outside the four walls of mercy culture or the dome of mercy culture and we're taking territory in realms of influence, in culture, in all, all over the city and the nation. And so I wanna share with you some of these house visions and what these are. So uh, the first house vision, I'm gonna mention them very quickly. If you have this pamphlet on your chair, it mentions all of these in there. But I want you to hear from me what you're actually going to be sowing into or aligning with. So the first one is the justice reform. The justice reform is answering the cry of justice by bringing reformation from city to city. What we're doing with the justice reform is we are ministering to the heart of the Father by going after the most abused and broken people on the face of the earth. We are ministering to these survivors of trafficking. But the justice reform does so much more than that. It's actually partnering with the heart of God for every injustice that's on his heart. And currently what we're doing is we are building the largest long-term restoration housing in America right here on our property. We already broke ground on it. It'll be over 100, uh, it'll house over 100 girls for long-term care. Now, this is what's important, is because you see awareness everywhere where someone wants to put a sticker on their social media and think that they're a part of the solution. And, 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 and I would encourage you, that's good that people are aware, but there, there's millions and millions of traffic victims and nowhere for them to go. And then 
we're building a place for them to go and we got a bunch of people up in this neighborhood making trouble for us trying to resist what God is doing. It's amazing how many people not only do nothing, but then resist others that are doing something. So we are building a house of worship on our property that will minister and bring women into daily encounters where the Holy Spirit will do the healing and the deliverance in the ministry. Amazing, amazing ministry of the justice reform. You can go to their website and get more information about that. The next house vision is our school next door. Next year, we are birthing Mercy Culture Prep from Calvary Christian Academy. We're gonna partner with families to develop kingdom leaders and equip them through presence-driven discipleship. Here's what's happening at MC Prep. Not only are kids being educated, but they're encountering God. And they're learning how to hear from God. The same way we're teaching adults how to hear from God, we're teaching children how to hear from God. And I'm telling you what, it's working. It is profound to hear what God is speaking to these children. My daughter is actually preaching this morning in children's ministry. She came to me with her entire sermon of everything God laid on her heart. And then yesterday I helped her put it together. But she's already heard God. She's like, the Lord told me to share this story. The Lord told me he wants to heal hearts and he wants to heal bodies. And here's what he wants to do. It's amazing what God is doing. And so what we're doing at MC Prep is we are leading children into God encounters. Amen. The next house vision I'm mentioning, this, I'm going in order of your pamphlets, is for liberty and justice. This is, I better read it so I don't mess this up, make them upset at me. For liberty and justice is taking a stand for biblical justice to protect our God-given liberties. Here's what I have found, is the enemy doesn't care how big Mercy Culture Church gets as long as we stay in the church. But the moment we step out and begin to expand territory, all of a sudden there is demonic resistance. Listen, they don't want Christians involved with government. They don't want Christians involved in the school system. They don't want Christians involved in 80 parts of education. They don't want Christians involved in the workplace. Listen, they want us to hide in our church and cower. And then they want to threaten you with your 501c3 status. Take it. Do you think a 501c3 status will stop us from preaching truth? You think a 501c3 status will stop us from preaching righteousness, from being the church? get a hoot hoot <laughs> there are so many I love a justice driven church you know the problem is with social justice without the gospel it doesn't have answers to injustices We are bringing heaven's solutions to people's needs through spiritual leadership and justice for liberty and justice. The next one is the coalition. This is our church network. We have gathered over 400 churches 
from the pastors from around the nation and poured into them over the last two years. And here's, here, here's something that's, that's, this is what we're doing, is unfortunately the church in America has been built for people. And church is not for people. Church is for the Lord. But here's the thing. If you actually are a leader that leads to please people, it's the fastest way to lose your anointing. Ask King Saul. Church is for the Lord. But we've built churches to attract people. But here's the problem is COVID killed the attractional church because they are more afraid of a virus with a 98% survival rate than they desired to be in community or the presence of God. Because we built it around the wrong thing. So what we're doing with the coalition is we're helping churches be built around the presence of God. Because when you have the presence of God, you have everything. So here's what we're doing with the coalition is we're giving away all of the house visions of mercy culture. We're giving away connect with God. Um, the, the, the website that, that you went on to go become a member of the church, that entire thing cost over $300,000 to build. It did not exist. That entire automated process of discipleship did not exist. And the reason why we invested that much is because we're going to be giving this to churches around the nation and helping people take people into corporate, from corporate encounters with God to daily personal encounters with God. So we're very excited about the coalition and what this is going to do. We have MC Worship that's going to be releasing the prophetic songs, the prophetic words, the prophetic prayers of this house around the world. Leading people, releasing music that will lead people into daily encounters with God. We have Axel Creative Community that's equipping and empowering sons and daughters to advance the kingdom of heaven through creative expressions. This is so important that we take back media and the airways. How many know scripture says that the enemy is the prince of the air? Our creatives are going to take back the airways and the communication to a generation. We have the distinct business leadership ministry that is empowering leaders to expand the kingdom through business by inviting the Holy Spirit into the marketplace. I love our community of business leaders because they're building the kingdom, not their own empires. The presence of God is what made the people of God distinct. And that's why we call this ministry distinct because the presence of God is what will make your business distinct. And finally, we have our spiritual leadership school. How many students do we have in the room this morning? Where we're developing spiritual leaders in all realms of influence to transform this world. What I love about this is we are developing spiritual leaders that can hear God and obey, that fear God, not man, that are sound in character, theology, and spirituality. And so these are the house visions so far. I say so far because as God leads us and speaks to us, we're gonna start more and more and more. But collectively, they are reaching tens of thousands of people on a regular basis. 
And so it is our honor, it's our privilege to sow into them. So right now we have a, a little over $8 million of current needs from the school remodel to the building of the justice residence to what all of these ministries currently need and everything given in the Heart for Mercy offering will be sown into these ministries. And before we, we begin into the message, I wanna just make sure everyone is aware of what this will look like today, is at the end of the message, we're gonna be bringing our offerings down. Everyone should have already been given one of these offering envelopes, despite how you gave. If you gave uh, through text to give, if you gave online, uh, just, just a warning, depending on amount, sometimes credit card companies will uh, not allow you to give certain amounts. And so just be, be aware of that. Uh, but if you give by check or even now cryptocurrency, this morning I gave, through cryptocurrency. So however you determine that you want to give, despite that, I want every single member of the church as an act of worship to take one of these offering envelopes, make sure that you write on it either what you're believing for or at 1 Chronicles 4.10, whatever it is, and we're going to bring it down to the altar together, and then the elders are going to come and lay hands and pray over it as an act of worship. So uh, despite how you gave or if you already gave this morning on your way here or whatever format it was, come down to the front and we're going to give at the end of the service. Amen? Amen. How many ready for the word today? Can I get a hoot hoot? Someone laughed very noxiously and it ministered to my heart, just so you know. Genesis chapter 22. How many know we will not be intimidated? When your only goal is to obey God, you have nothing to lose. I love saying this to young leaders all the time when they're afraid of failing. The, my definition of success is obedience. My definition of failure is disobedience. That's it. Our only job is to hear God and obey. No one else can tell you well done. Mm. Mm. No one else can tell you well done. Genesis chapter 22. Is anyone else hot in here? And all the online campus people said amen. <laughs> Verse 1, it says this. After these things, God tested Abraham. Someone say tested. He said to Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, who you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. Someone say Offering. On one of the mountains, which I will show you. So Abram rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood and the burnt offerings and arose and went to the place uh, which God had told him. On the third day, Abram lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abram said to the young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there to worship and come again to you. Verse 6. And Abram took the burnt offering, the wood, and laid it on his son Isaac. He took him in his hand and the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together. Someone say together. And Isaac and his father Abram, my father, he said, here I am, my son, he said. Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Verse eight, Abram said, God will provide himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. Someone say together. Say it again, say together. Verse nine, when they came to the place 
which God had told him, Abram built an altar. There he laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Verse 10, then Abram reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son. Verse 11, but an angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abram, Abram. He said, here I am. Verse 12, he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything for him. For now I know that you fear God or you love God seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. I came to tell you this morning, when you let God choose your response, your obedience expands territory. The title of this message this morning is Giving Expands Territory. Let's pray. So Holy Spirit, we declare that this house is yours. Father, I pray right now that you would give us ears to hear, uh, uh, hearts to receive, minds to understand what your spirit is saying. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would blow upon your, your logos word and I pray it would become rhema, it would become alive. Lord, we declare that we do not just make room for you, but we give you the entire room. We say no spirit, but the Holy Spirit is welcome in this place. We say spirit of fear, you have to go. Mammon, you have to go. Greed, you have to go. Lawlessness, you have to go. Lust, you have to go. Rebellion, you have to go. We say, Holy Spirit, come and rule and reign in this place. Father, I thank you that nobody came to hear me. We all came to hear you. So we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. And all God's people said, amen. And amen. So the Lord spoke to us and said, 2022 is a year of expanding territory. That this was the first Chronicles 410 year. That this was a year that he would, oh, bless us indeed. Expand our territory. Put his hand of favor upon us and keep us from evil. We talked about what does this mean to, to, to pray this supernatural prayer of faith. Here's what it means. It's literally saying, Lord, you determine the blessing. I'm not telling you how to bless me. You you tell me how you want to bless me and then you determine my response to you blessing me. We talked about stewardship and how none of this is ours. All of it belongs to God. If you don't get this, you will not get breakthrough. If you think your house is yours, if you think your money is yours, if you think your family is yours, if you think your life is yours, you will never expand supernatural territory because you will only be expanding you, not his presence or his kingdom. We talked about the spirit of mammon and how mammon has to go. Someone help me shout mammon go. Mammon is that spirit that rests on money. Mammon is the fear of money. It's the fear that money will run out ever before it is. And here's the thing is mammon is really what you love or worship the most. You cannot serve mammon or money in God. Pastor Jeremy Dunn talked about the giving key or the protocol to his presence. And truly the only reason to really give is because of a love for God. So again, this prayer that we've been praying from 1 Chronicles 4.10 is, I paraphrase it like this, Lord, you determine the blessing, not me, and you determine my response. Now that phrase, you determine my response, has been a subject to many questions over the last couple months. 
Pastor Matt got that question asked on his Tuesday Q or his Q&A that he did. I, I get this all the time. What do you mean, pastor, by you determine or God, you determine my response? And I was waiting for this message today to explain to you what does it mean for God to determine your response? So here we are in Genesis chapter 22. This is the story of Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, God speaks to Abraham. He says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless everybody through you. This was the first part. Lord, you determine the blessing. Abraham did not ask God to bless him. Abraham let God determine how he wanted to bless him. But until we get to Genesis 22, we don't see the second half of that prayer, that supernatural prayer that expands territory. Because it's not till Genesis chapter 22 where God speaks to Abraham and tells him, now I'm going to tell you what your response needs to be. Now when I say Abraham, I'm talking about the father of the faith. So if you are new to the faith, if you're new to Christianity, maybe you're uh, uh, just, just recently saved and you don't know who I'm talking about when I say Abraham. So Hebrews tells us that Abraham was, was a father of faith. And what we mean by the father of faith, he's actually known as the God of, God's, God's referred to as the phrase, the God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham's relationship with God was so profound that it affected all of humanity by his relationship with God because of his great faith. In fact, they called him the father of faith. He was given a promise that he would bless all nations because of his faith, Genesis chapter 12 and 13. But I want to give you a little timeline of Abraham just in case you're unfamiliar with his life or new to Christianity. So the first time we hear Abraham mentioned is in Genesis chapter 11, and we hear of his father, Terah. His father was called by God into the same promised land, but he stayed at the place of pain, partnered with his pain, and gave up on faith in obeying God. And Abraham took over at the place where his father gave up. Then the next thing we see is in Genesis chapter 12 and 13, God is promising Abraham, I'm going to bless you beyond your wildest dreams. In Genesis chapter 13, he parts company with his nephew Lot. That's when he says, you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Why was he able to say that? Because he knew the hand of God was on him. Then in Genesis chapter 14, we see him give a gift or be blessed by Melchizedek. This is the first mention of our tithe, our 10% in God's word. In Genesis chapter 16, he bores a son in the flesh or in disobedience. I'll share more with you this later. He named him Ishmael. But then in Genesis chapter 17, he gives birth to the promised son from his wife, Sarah, that God had promised him. That's in Genesis chapter 17. In Genesis chapter 21, Isaac is born. His promised son is born in Genesis chapter 21. Then in Genesis chapter 22, God speaks to Abraham and says, now I want you to offer your son as a sacrifice. That's where we are today. Genesis chapter 22, God says, I want your son, your only son, whom you love. This is what God tells him. He says, I want your favorite. This is pretty profound. Then in Genesis chapter 2, God speaks to Abraham and says, I want you to give me your favorite one. And Abraham said, okay. I don't know about you, 
I don't know if that would be my initial response. Sometimes when we see individuals like Abraham, sometimes when we see people that have great faith, sometimes it can intimidate us. Or really what we do is we compare our faith to their faith. Let me help you. That's an immature way of looking at it. You really should be comparing your journey to their journey. It would be like two people reading a book and comparing where they're at in different chapters and, 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 and trying to look at it from different vantage points of the journey of how far you're into this. So sometimes you can look at Abram's faith and say, I can never have faith like that. Or you can look at your pastor's faith or a leader's faith and say, man, I don't have faith like that. But you haven't been through what we have been through on the journey of faith, how we've required, acquired this faith. So you look at Abraham and God says, I want your first, your best, your son, your love, your favorite thing. I want what has your heart. And Abraham says, okay. And we say, what? How, Abraham, did you get that faith that expands territory? How did you get that faith that moves mountains? How did you get that faith that shakes hell, that can't prevail against it? How did you get that faith? And how you got that faith is going through tests. See, some of you don't think that you have great faith yet. But the truth is, is that you just haven't been tested enough. How many know the prereq for Goliaths, for giants, is lions and bears? See, so many of us don't want to be tested, don't like the tests, don't like the trials, but we don't realize God is preparing us for faith that takes territory. I'm going to show you that Abraham didn't always respond with great faith. Let me say it like this. He didn't always let God choose his response. I want you to hear me, Mercy Culture. This is so important. You will grow in faith that expands territory. Watch. When you allow God to begin to choose your responses. Someone needs to write this down. Maybe some of the young millennials tattoo it. Whatever you have to do to remember this. <laughs> this is important. Listen. Faith that expands territory, watch, lets God choose. Can I, be, can I bring it down even simpler? When you choose, it's typically flesh-driven. When God chooses, it's usually faith. Watch how Abraham's faith was tested. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12. So in Genesis chapter 12, and I, I read off you that timeline kind of fast, but in Genesis 11 and 12, God, or 12, God is promising Abraham he's going to bless him. So he already has this word of the supernatural. I'm going to bless you beyond your wildest ability. God already spoke to him in Genesis 12. But now he's entering into this land that God calls him to, and he meets an Egyptian king. Now here's the problem. is He's going in to meet this king, and even though he has a word from God, watch, faith comes to, or excuse me, Fear comes to steal his faith. Genesis chapter 12, verse 11. 
When Abram was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Verse 13, say you are my sister that it may go well with me. Watch, God speaks to him, gives him a word. I'm gonna bless you for generations, every nation through you. He has this crazy, wild, prophetic word, this word of expanding territory, this word of the supernatural. And he comes to the first place of resistance and he feels fear and he begins to respond with fear. Watch, he begins to manipulate He begins to control. He begins to interfere on this prophetic word of expanding territory. And because he's afraid that he might be harmed, he says to his wife, we are going to lie and tell this king you're my sister. Now, now, now theologians believe that she's around the age of between 70 or 90 at this time where, where, where she is, she's older in years. So grandma is so good looking. He's afraid for his life. So he, he lies, watch, this is, very, this is a big deal. But instead of getting together with his wife and partnering in faith, they partner in the flesh. He began, watch, to sow seeds of discord and doubt into his marriage. See, why is it such a big deal that, that he said his wife was his sister? Well, well, the reason why it was a big deal is because the nature of the relationship has just changed. Because you are not intimate with your sister. You are intimate with your wife. So he said, I want you to pretend in public that we're not intimate together. So privately we'll be intimate, but publicly we're going to pretend that we have a different relationship. Isn't that what the people of faith end up doing time and time again? Is that you try to be intimate with God privately, but when you walk outside into a public place, all of a sudden you want the relationship with you and God that is private to not look like it looks in private in public. It may sound like I I don't want to be associated with the church that media news outlets bash all the time because they expand territory. So I don't want to be associated with that. So I'm going to change my relationship. I'm not going to pray as loud as public. I'm not going to step out in faith. I'm not going to lead. I'm going to cower back. I'm going to be fearful in a place of opposition. And here's what he said. Watch. Let me lie so it will go well with me. Let me help you. When you are leading and living by the flesh, it never goes spiritually well with you. That's like the people that say like we're married in God's eyes. You're not married in God's eyes. You're fornicating in God's eyes. Let me help you. It's not going to go well with you. Let me lie, let me connive, let me steal, let me manipulate, watch, let me make this happen. And what you're doing is you are trying, watch, to expand territory through the flesh. 
You cannot expand territory in the flesh. You expand territory in faith. Well, watch this. That little lie that he got his wife to partner became one of the greatest seeds of destruction in his life. Let me show you. Fast forward to Genesis chapter 16. If you thought lying to kings was bad, wait till you see this. So now in verse 1, remember they're, they're stewarding this word from God that God's going to bless them. They're going to have children. And so they have a word that they're going to have children. But watch, his wife can't figure out how it's going to happen. And so because she can't figure out how it's going to happen, watch, she's going to make it happen. Can I just give you some, some practical advice? Can I just pass you for a second? What do you do when you don't know what to do? You don't do anything. You stop and you ask God. That's what you do. Watch, you don't make up answers to questions you ask yourself. You wait. I love irritating my staff and, 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 and they, 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 they ask me questions and I don't get back to them for weeks and months at a time. And, and they're like, Pastor Landon, we really need answers. Pastor Landon, we really know what we're supposed to do. And until we hear from God, we're not coming up with answers. Because here's the thing, is I don't want to try to take territory because we said, you know what, maybe Dallas is a good place to plant a church. Other churches might be doing good in Dallas. Maybe we should go to Dallas. No, it was a prayer room that we had with elders that one elder saw a man waving to him. And then two days later, I saw Jesus beckoning us to come. So watch now, we're not tiptoeing to Dallas wondering if this is the right territory we're supposed to take. Watch, we're running through walls. We're running through devils. We're running through opposition. Watch, because the king called us. One of our, one of our uh, values is authenticity. So we bought a building in Waco, a million dollars over what it's worth. All the business guys are like, dur, dur, dur. <laughs> we bought our, our kingdom partners out that partnered with us on the loan. And the guy said to me, what do you feel like this building's worth? And I told him them out. He laughed at me. He goes, you are the first pastor I've ever heard in doing this for 13 years that told me this building's worth a million dollars under what you're buying it for or over what you're buying it for. I said, you asked me what they said it's worth. You didn't ask me what it's worth to me. I said, this is the place the Lord told us to go. On the bridge of a community that needs mercy the most. Sitting on a gateway with people that need to know the presence of God. Can I, can I tell you something so cool? We finished our 40-day fast. Heather and I finished, bro broke our last 40-day fast last month, and we're driving into Dallas, and Heather and I went around, and we walked different church properties in Dallas, praying that God would expand other churches' territories. And as we're pulling into Dallas, all of a sudden, I felt the, the, a blanket of the presence of God fall on me. And I felt the supernatural favor of God coming to us for Dallas. But watch, the favor had nothing to do with Dallas. All of a sudden, the Lord showed me we chased his heart to Waco overpaid beyond what people said it was worth. Watch. But it wasn't about the price. It was about the king's heart. Ah. 
We chased his heart to Waco. And the Lord said, because you chased my heart to Waco, I'm going to give you my hand of favor in Dallas. Uh Here's the thing is you don't know ahead of time when you're obeying God, what doesn't make sense in one city, what's connecting the dot to another place. Guys, this is what faith is, is it doesn't make sense at the time in the moment. Why am I doing this? Why am I going here? Why am I giving this? Why am I saying this? But watch, he knows what he's doing in your life. Faith looks foolish to the spiritually undiscerned. So he tells people, my intimate wife is my sister and pretends he's not intimate with her. And then in Genesis chapter 16, his wife says, it doesn't look like what God said is going to happen is going to happen. So let me get involved. Let me control. Can I say it another way, church? Let me help God. How many know God is so thankful for your help? <laughs> verse 2, verse 1, Genesis 16, 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said, look at this, Sarai said, say that out loud, would you? Sarai said, God didn't say, an angel didn't say, Sarai said. Behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. Watch, I should expand territory through my flesh. I'll expand territory through control. I'll expand territory through interfering. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. Goes on to say that they conceived a child and now she hates her of course she hates her watch this this is wild so now he has a concubine that privately he's intimate with but publicly he's not because he sowed a seed of discord that he pretended that he wasn't intimate with what he was intimate with see watch the spirit of confusion come in it will try to manipulate and pervert what is really supposed to happen so watch so then you become intimate with things that you're not supposed to be intimate with because you weren't intimate with the things that you were supposed to be intimate with and now he births a son of flesh to expand his territory. Every time you try to expand territory through the flesh, through compromise, you will never acquire the faith to expand territory. Church, this doesn't happen through the flesh. Scripture says it is not by might, nor by power, but is by the spirit of the Lord. Listen, scripture says that, that if we sow to the flesh, we reap to the flesh. If we sow to the spirit, we reap to the spirit. Ah. We have got to be people of spirit and not flesh. So what do you do if you're struggling with your flesh? You remove it. Genesis chapter 17 God speaks 
to Abram and said this, verse 10, this is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you, your offsprings after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. God said, Abraham, you're struggling with faith because of your flesh. So I'm gonna help you overcome your flesh. This wasn't just a physical circumcision. Because Romans talks about the circumcision of our heart. Because the same flesh that got in the way of Abraham's faith when he was on his journey of faith is the same flesh that gets in the way of our faith on our journey of faith. And just like Abraham had to learn how to remove the flesh to find the heart of God, you are going to have to learn how to remove your flesh. What is your flesh? What you want. You are going to have to learn how to remove what you want. Uh, you determine the blessing. You determine my response. You are going to have to learn how to remove what you want to experience the faith that expands territory. 2016, I was doing an interview on a television network. I'm driving back to Austin through Fort Worth, never been in Fort Worth in my entire life. And I hear the Lord say, you can pastor here. And it shook me. Because I had made an inner vow that I wasn't going to pastor. I'd grown up in church. My dad was a pastor. I was raised in the house of God. And I have seen dysfunction. I have seen hypocrisy. I have seen absolute drama beyond what anyone should have to go through or see. And I said, I don't want any part of that. You know the bumper stickers that say, Lord, I love you, but your followers scare me? Like, Lord, I love you. I love your presence. I do not want to deal with the drama of church. Can I be really honest with you? I had just never seen a church built around his presence. All the churches I'd seen modeled were built around a man. Or built around people's opinions. So the truth is, is this. Because I had been hurt because I had been betrayed, because I had been disappointed, because the only thing that I saw modeled was the flesh. I made this promise to myself that I wasn't going to pastor because I don't want to get hurt again. You ever make promises of the flesh to prevent you from getting hurt? But they get in the way of the journey of faith. But there is this problem. I ask God to speak to me every day. And then he does. And then I'm obligated to listen. And then I'm honored to obey. I heard the Lord say, don't build it around you. Build it around me. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I've never seen a church built around your presence. I've never seen a church that didn't care what people thought, what man thought, didn't care what, what, what anything else that just cared God about what you want. Are you pleased? That was just built to please the heart of the Father. Watch. When I was able to get my flesh out of the way, I was able to access the heart of God. I knew no one. Pastor Steve and I joke about it all the time. Heather, we knew no one here in Fort Worth. Not one soul. 
but we chased his heart here. Watch. When you remove the flesh from your life, you can find the heart of God. When you find the heart of God, you have found heart for mercy. Genesis chapter 22. Abraham struggles in faith, tries to make it through control, interferes, removes his flesh, and now he's here in Genesis chapter 22. And here's what it says. It says, God tested Abraham. Church, do you know what the test is? The test is, are you still in charge? And you got to be tested over and over and over until you give up your control. And guess what? Some of you have been tested before. You've gone through these tests, the test of greed. Maybe some of you are like my three-year-old that says, no, my money. You're laughing. But if we could only see the in parts of your heart where you say it's mine, but I worked and I hard and this is mine and I and me and I. Some of you have to go through the mammon test where you're not afraid anymore. We went from seasons to having nothing, to giving everything, from having nothing to giving everything, to having nothing to giving everything. And guess what? Those were not the best times in my life. In fact, one day my spiritual father said to me, Heather and I were with him, John Paul Jackson, and I said, John, JP, do you have any concerns for us? He said, yeah, I do. You're just gonna need a lot of wisdom to steward everything God has for you. Just really praying that God will give you wisdom. We're looking at each other. I start laughing. I'm like, it, it's I have a master's degree in stewarding nothing. Like, I got this. JP, I've been, I've been trained to steward nothing well. Because I have nothing to steward. Everything God ever give us, the Lord would tell us to give away and give away and give away and give away. We didn't realize at the time that we were passing tests. That we had to pass that mammon test where we weren't afraid of money anymore. We had to pass the test of stewardship that God can trust us with his heart because we would steward it well. Yeah. I got a phone call from a mega church pastor on the East Coast when we purchased this facility. And he said, the moment he saw it on social media, he said to the Lord, whoa, help Landon steward that. And he said, the moment he said it to the Lord, he said, the Lord spoke to him and said, I've been preparing Landon to steward this for years. See, some of you look at what you're stewarding or maybe giving right now, but you have no idea what God is preparing you for. Abraham is being tested by God. Watch this. And he's about to pass the test. And when you pass the test is what happens, that that is the place that you get faith that expands territory. Genesis 2, God said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Take your only, take your favorite, take your miracle, take your heart, take what you love most and give it to me as a burnt offering. Or here's what God was saying. Abraham, I want you to let me choose your response. 
I chose how I'm going to bless you beyond your ability. And now I'm telling you what your response needs to be. Your response needs to be to give me your one. Give me your only. Give me your Isaac. Or watch this. Give me your heart. And Abraham said, okay. Because here's what scripture says. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Watch this, guys. When you give God your heart, it is the giving key that Pastor Jeremy preached about. It is what unlocks the supernatural in your life. It's the Isaiah 22 uh, it's Isaiah twenty two twenty two that I have given you the keys of David that no man shall open or no man should shut. See, Abraham was by faith accessing expanding territory that would go from his life to generations. This is so important you understand this. When Abraham said to God, okay, I'm going to let you determine my response. Watch, that was the place he obtained the faith that expanded territory. Stay with me. We're almost done. The faith that expanded territory through generations happened at the place of the greatest sacrifice. Pastor Jeremy Dunn stood at this pulpit last week and he began to prophesy. He said, I feel like through this heart of mercy that it's going to go supernaturally into your family. City Jacobs prophesied at the beginning of the year and said this would not be a church that would blow in and blow out, but this would be a church that would last for generations. She said, children's children, children, watch. These were prophetic words that would set up a moment like this. Watch, Abraham understood that he would let God determine the blessing, but he had to let God determine his response. Watch, when he let God determine his response, he received faith that expanded territory. But I gotta show you how it expanded territory. Because he took his son Isaac in Genesis chapter 22, verse 7. Look at this. Genesis 22, 7 will be up on the screen. We're almost done. And Isaac said to his father, my father, here I am, son, he said. Behold, the fire, the wood is here. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself. Look at this. I had you read it, say it out loud twice at the beginning of the message. It says, so they went both of them together. Someone say together. You got to see this. Isaac, according to theologians, his age is undetermined. Some theologians believe he was a child. Other theologians believe he was in his 30s. They can't understand how a child would carry his own wood or his own instruments of execution to an offering place on a three days journey. But regardless if Isaac was a child or an adult, he made no opposition to the will of the father. You got to hear this. Isaac was not a victim. He was a participant Ah. Some of you think you're victims in the journey of faith. And you need to switch to a participant into what God is doing in your life. Watch, Isaac said this. He said, Father, watch, this is so important. He said, where is the offering? And God said, don't worry about it. God will provide. 
And Isaac said, okay. You got to see this. You got to see this. You got to see this. Watch. When Abraham partnered with God through faith, removed his flesh, when he found the heart of God to please God, when he was willing to sow his son Isaac as his first and his best, watch, he expanded territory and it went from Abraham to Isaac. And the moment Isaac came to his first test that you will be the sacrifice, Isaac's response was the same as his father's last response was. I just want my father's heart to be pleased. In that moment of expanding faith, he became the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I wish someone in this church would understand when you have a heart for the Father, a heart for mercy, your greatest desire is to please God. And when your greatest desire is to please God, watch, it will expand territory generationally. As Abram's about to make the sacrifice, and as Isaac is willingly participating, put it up on the screen, Genesis 22, I believe it's verse 12 or 13. God says, stop. I know now that you love me. Because there's nothing you weren't willing to give me. That is the gift that expands territory. Where you trust God so much, you trust Him with everything. And there is nothing that you withhold from your heart. Ah. Because there is nothing that you want him to withhold from his heart. This is the prayer. Lord, you determine the blessing. And you determine my response. Would you bow your heads all over this place? Would you close your eyes? And would you just tell the Lord, you determine my response. You determine my response. Once again, many of you have been doing this all week, but just, 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 just again, just again, do it right now. Lord, what's your heart for your house? Ask him right now. Whisper it. Make sure just you can hear yourself whisper all over this place, online, every member, wherever you are in California, in Canada, Florida, all around the world, uh, Montana, wherever you are right now, just ask the Lord. You determine the response. You determine the response. Come on, ask him right now. Make sure you can hear yourself whisper. Lord, what is your heart for your house? Lord, what pleases you? Oh, I feel the Lord saying, get your flesh off of it. I was in here interceding last night with some of our pastors that I felt that there's some individuals that you were struggling. And I want to let you know we prayed for you. But there are some individuals that you were struggling with your flesh. You're trying to control it. And I saw the Lord asking for your Isaac today. And some of you were willing to give Ishmael's up in a way, but not Isaac. And I declare over this house today, the Lord doesn't want your Ishmael from you. He wants your Isaac from you. This is not an offering for you to give to God. This is an offering to give your heart to God. To give your best to God. To give your all. Would you ask him one more time?
Lord, what is your heart for your house? Lord, does this offering, does it please you? Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. I want to let you know a prophetic word over this offering was that mammon would be broken off your life forever. Pastor Zane told me that through this offering would be supernatural kingdom expansion. Pastor Jeremy Dunn prophesied last week that this would extend supernaturally into your marriage and into your family. I heard in my spirit that this morning that there would be an impartation of faith. You know, last night I was laying on my face right here praying for you in this moment. As I laid on my face, my face was touching the carpet and I saw all of the miracles that were prayed for on the floor. Almost two years ago, we wrote all over this floor miracles that we were believing God for. I felt that this offering was going to be water poured on them. I felt in my spirit last night that miracles would begin to be released. This is not an offering of flesh. This is an offering of faith. Oh, that you would bless us indeed. You determine the blessing. You determine the response. One more time, would you lay hands on your offering right now and just tell the Lord, you determine the response. You determine the response. You determine the response. I want to warn the young people in the room, this is not a moment for just families. There's not one individual from our children to teenagers to young adults that this moment is not for. you have heard from God and you are ready to obey. I'm going to ask our pastors just get out in the aisles right now and just begin to pray for people as they begin to come down. When you have heard from God and you are ready to obey, I want you to take your heart for mercy and I want you to come late at this altar, but this is very important. Do not go back to your seat and sit down, but please just enter into a time of worship because this is a holy moment. Father, I pray that you would receive your people's heart. In Jesus' name, let's give church. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Mercy Culture Church. If this podcast has blessed you, we'd like to encourage you to share it with a friend. To learn more about us, find us on social media and online at mercyculture.com. 